rolling. Since the last episode. Also, I like how I was saying that. You're like, no, I'm not having any any part of this. I'm just going right to something else. I made a choice not to make eye contact. <laughs> it's probably the right choice. All right. So this week we have a bit of a more broad topic. I think different avenues we're going to explore. Um, we're going to tackle it in two kind of variants. The first one being. When you don't have someone to do a position on set and you have to kind of bullheadedly charge into it and take that on, how you do that? And the second one, Latif? Is attempting to get a key role position on a, on a film or, or to get a job that maybe you've never done before but you'd like to attempt to do now. Mm. And how to kind of prepare yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you want to start with? Want to start with yours? Let's, let's go with the first one we introduced. <laughs> Good call. Just like you should do in movies. <laughs> yes. Alright, so, um, yeah, we were talking about this because on both features now, there have been roles where, ideally, had we had more resources, mostly money, <laughs> we would hire people to do these jobs, but we didn't, so we had to just tackle them. Mm. And that is new waters that we just had to navigate without really knowing what to do and I think it's something that doesn't really get talked about enough and it's something that I really would have loved to have heard a little bit about before you know we went in and did it so let's break down the one we talked about when before we started recording when we were talking about this was costumes like, you went to film school, I didn't. Did you have any experience in film school with costuming? Briefly. Yeah, like what kind of stuff would you do? Well, we had a class called production design, and they threw costumes in there. So they <laughs> a, a dedicated class to doing costumes. They got a sub-chapter. Yeah, they got a smaller portion in production design, which I think is kind of sad because costume work is very, very big. Yeah, there's a lot in it. Yeah. It's, it's extremely important, otherwise your film would just be about nudists every time. That's not bad. Well, Make editing easy. Yeah. Also, just on a quick note before we get into this, did you ever hear, I think it's a rumor, I don't know if it's ever been verified or anything, but apparently Woody Allen, one of the ways he likes to do his movies is have no costume changes, just so, um, this isn't every one of his movies, but just so we can find it in the edit more than written on the page find what the costumes no like the entire movie so like if you have no costume changes you can kind of put whatever, whatever wherever right and just find the movie in the edit oh I don't know that well I'll have to watch one of his movies I don't think I've really watched any of his films really didn't we watch Vicky Cristina Barcelona no oh I watched it yeah I love that movie you should watch that movie man it's really good um yeah, getting back to, to costumes, sorry, in film school, you didn't do much of it. No, we, we briefly went on, like, you know, why a character wears this, and mm. did a little bit of theory, but very little practical costume work, you know. Um, actually, none. <laughs> I don't think we've ever touched a piece of clothing. 
<laughs> so he didn't really have any hands-on experience in costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tough. I think if you really want to do it, you've got to figure it out on your own. So for us, it was like, well, let's uh, let's take it back or ahead one step from your film school, back one step from Party Stories. Your first short you ever made, um, when it came time to say, okay, the hell are these people going to wear? Like, what was your thought process? How did you come to what you came to? Um, I did. I, I had to figure out costumes for all the films that I directed. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, but let's focus on the first one. Like, it, when you, it was... You didn't really know, and you hadn't done it before, you know? Oh, well, the first would be in film school, because we had to make short films in film school. Okay. So, even for that, it was like, what are the char- what are the characters wearing? Like, you have to write that into your script as well, because we wrote all the scripts we directed in film school, so, you know, I had to look at the characters and kind of gauge what outfits they'd be wearing. And then, if I didn't have those outfits, how could I get as close as possible? So for my first film, it was these two characters that were kind of in a, how you say, outback scenario where they were just wearing like dingy like shorts and ter- like tattered up uh, clothing and they're just living in the wild. So I had to figure out what their outfits were for that. Mm-hmm. So I just got like some clothing that felt right and made it look a little dirty and threw, the, threw them on the actors. Now it kind of looked right, not completely, but... Um, that was just my first time experience with dealing with that and it was the first time dealing with costumes that weren't like regular day clothing mm-hmm. it was a little more stylized but that being said I had no idea what I was doing so how happy were you with the end results in just strict terms of the costumes I'd say it was about 60% there Yeah, it wasn't like what the hell are they wearing? But at the same time, it wasn't like, that looks amazing. <laughs> no one questioned the costumes. Yeah. But the costumes did not really aid to the final feel. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back and do it differently, like what other things would you look for? A costume designer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you gotta do it yourself. Honestly, you just have to do the research. And I don't recommend being your own costume designer. Um... I think it would, that's a bad move. I feel like you should look for departments that you don't have any knowledge on, mm-hmm. especially if you don't care about them. Um, and I mean that in like a passion way. Like yeah, yeah, totally. You know, of course you care about what your characters are wearing, but if you have no idea how to do that, find someone who does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a recommendation to just like wing it because you have no one. Um, take the time to figure that stuff out before you get into it. Um, for the other short films, I made a kind of new what the characters would be wearing so it was a lot easier mm-hmm. um, and just because like for years like I was doing dance competition stuff and competing with teams we had to figure out our costumes for performances for example so I had a little bit of experience on like picking out outfits and knowing like what would look good and stuff like that so that helped a little bit mm-hmm. but pertaining to your film you've got to have a good idea about you know, is your costume going to cause problems for the camera? Like, are you wearing a checkered shirt that's going to, like, go crazy? Talk about that for a quick second. That happens. Like, if you've got, like, 
certain materials like I know some synthetic fabrics like when they show up on camera you get a lot of like uh, aliasing and weird like lines on the sensor of the camera I haven't had to deal with that a lot actually um, but there's some materials that you can kind of tell um, will have problems when you look at it through a camera so like avoid shit like that for sure um, usually fabrics like cotton and non-shiny fabrics mm-hmm. are gonna look better um, anything that's like synthetic and shiny and, and feels a little plasticky it's probably gonna cause problems for the camera yeah. and also, also audio yeah definitely definitely um, and also on another quick note you'll hear this a lot but just in case you haven't heard it be very wary of logos you might there's a chance you might get no trouble but you know you wear a nike shirt nike season movie and they're like ah we don't quite want to be associated with this and you know you got to reshoot that or your movie's done so generally try and have clothing with no logos mm-hmm. um just on a quick note because i only just learned this yesterday tell the fans of the podcast <laughs> who you used to dance with no, you don't want to do that? No. I mean, I kind of knew him, but he wasn't my buddy. Yeah. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like cloud chasing. I'm like, guess who I knew? All right. I'll just leave it up to the audience to, to never figure out. All right. But I know. And I think it's great. And I think he's hilarious. He's a nice guy. He's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Back when I danced with him. But, you know, he went on to do acting. and Be a very successful and, actor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know him very well, but I, I knew him in passing. Mm-hmm. Said hi to each other times we competed at some things together but was he your opponent no we were in the same studio we by the same company okay was that where your first office was mm, yeah he was there for a bit too cool yeah and then he started acting and went to LA he must have struck it fast he was working on a few CBC shows mm-hmm. as an actor I think and then because f- another friend of mine who's still in Vancouver had a role on a on a show with him, mm-hmm. and then he got cast in The Good Place. Yeah, and went there, and then my friend was like, "Damn it!" Because <laughs> <laughs> his show got canceled when he left. Yeah. Um, so when he went over to do that, I think, uh, you know, things kind of took off for him. So he's mm-hmm. doing that, but yeah, I don't want to be like, I know this guy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, like, there's this hockey player that plays, that used to play for the Jets that I went to elementary school. Yeah, that's so awesome. Like, even, well, I mean, coming from where I come from, it's like, who's from your small town? Uh, they they say that the guy that shot down the Red Baron in World War II is from my hometown, but it's also very unconfirmed, so you can't really say that. And that's it. I think it sucks when you know people who, like, why jealousy no not jealousy it's like because i don't want to do those things yeah so it's definitely not jealousy it's more like you don't want to shoot down the red baron no not the red baron i mean like becoming an nhl player and then also becoming like a professional actor you look at it and you're like god i'm such a piece of shit i'm still wearing sweatpants i bet they never wear sweatpants they probably wear sweatpants all the time man and then they get, like, six servants to change them whenever they want. And me? I just don't change them. <laughs> Even when I go, I just throw my jeans over my sweatpants. I just picture 
I don't do that. That's sick. That is sick. Don't ever do that. <laughs> but I just picture you. It's like Latifa. I don't want to be rude, but like, I think you kind of smell a little, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I made this choice a couple of years ago that I wasn't going to take my sweatpants off until I had servants to do it for me. <laughs> and now there's mold on my legs. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. That's gross. <laughs> but yeah, going way back to costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, what was the last thing we said about costuming? <laughs> don't do it if you if you don't know how. Yeah, so. Say someone is in the same circumstance that you were in. They're, they're like, you know, I I know my characters as much as I can. Yeah. I have an idea of what their costumes should be. Yeah. I have negative $500 to get a costume designer. Yeah. How should I go about outfitting them? Okay, like for our scenario, the thing that helped was it happened in the current era. Yeah, don't in. make a period piece if you don't have any money. Yeah, like, we live in the time that the film is happening, and mm-hmm. so we could just go out and buy clothes that we think the character would wear. We didn't have to, like, buy, like, vintage clothing or make, like, yeah. you know, World War Two army outfits for our actors. That yeah. nuts. Another thing that really, really helped, too, is the main characters are at least half-ish based on the actors. Mm-hmm. So, like, those characters would wear... Not everything, but a lot of the stuff that the actors actually had. Yeah, like a, a good number of the costumes for the actors were their own clothes. Yep. That we just picked from their wardrobe, so yeah. that was a huge help. Lots of selfies sent our way. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of like looking at people and be like, "You look good in this, but not in this." <laughs> um, yeah. So if you if your film is set now, it's easier to do that. But yeah. If you are making a period piece and you know nothing about costumes, you're going to need to hire costumes. Yeah, absolutely. And one trend I've been seeing a lot of, and it just drives me nuts, is when I see like a period short film or something, or it's like an army short film, and they're wearing army uniforms, and they're fucking clean as shit. Like (laughs) Like hot off the presses? Yeah, they look like they just came out of the army sewing store. I don't know if that's a thing. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) But they're so clean and green and stitched up, and I'm like, those do not look like army uniforms. Yeah, no one's worn that ever. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I hate that shit. Um, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that was one that we had to tackle. But mm-hmm. I think that's the only reason why we could do it, because yeah. we weren't period clothing. Yeah, pieces. definitely. So, for the most part, that will happen in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would say that was significantly easier about party stories. Well, I mean, a lot of things were easier about party stories than this one, but clothing was a lot easier, and that's strictly because we had one outfit for everyone Yeah. in party stories. It happened over one night. Yeah, it was at one night, and man, like, I didn't even really think about it at the time, because that was just the story we wanted to tell, like a one-night thing, but holy crap, we saved a lot of time. The amount of... we took like a solid week to choose costumes for this one and I remember we're going into pre-production we're already crunched mm-hmm. and it was like man we've been working for like 16 hours today oh we gotta do costumes <laughs> it's a lot to tackle like don't undersell how much time you're gonna spend on that especially if you're doing something where you have a lot of costume changes which our lead character had what like 21 outfits or something like that 
Yeah. Something stupid, yeah. It's it's a lot to tackle, and especially if you really get into it, and it's like, would he or she wear this piece of clothing at this time? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to a job interview. Well, the beach is pretty self-explanatory. He wears some shorts and a shirt or whatever. But, like, he's going to a job interview. Who is he? How badly does he want this job? This doesn't happen in the movie, by the way. But, like, you would have to say, how would he present himself in that clothing to get the outcome he wants based off the personality he has? And, like, even just saying that one sentence, like, I feel like you get a lot better of an idea of how much work this is. And that's for one costume. Like, if you have 100 or 200 between all your characters, that's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Um, so if one of our fans came up to you and said, yeah, one of the fans came up to you and said, Hey, like, just real quick, can you please give me a couple rapid fire tips on how to do this costuming? Like it's current day, just a couple things. What should I be thinking about when I'm thinking about this? You know, your costume is going to play a great deal on how your character is perceived because we're all judgmental. Yep. And especially when watching a movie. Yeah. Um, so whatever you throw in your character is gonna give anyone seeing that person a great idea of who that person is. Not it's not that I'm saying that what you wear is gonna tell you everything about who the person is, but for the most part the way someone dresses will tell you a lot about how they perceive themselves and how they wanna be seen in the world. Yeah, and I think it, that audiences are really good like when things are right they're just kind of there you know and you don't really pick up on them unless it's something extravagant like the queen movie with freddie mercury's outfits like you're gonna notice those but for an everyday kind of thing it's like it's almost the less they notice it the more appropriate it is but if your character has just this like glaringly obviously wrong thing like if our lead character who is not in the army was dressed in an army outfit people would be like what the hell's going on here and it would totally knock you out of everything right Mm -hmm. so yeah can't oversell it like it's an important aspect man (laughs) yeah i mean my biggest thing would be look at the dude from the big lebowski Mm. and ask yourself why he's dressed the way he is Mm -hmm. if it reflects his character and it does. Yeah. He's the dude. He's the dude. <laughs> and why is Sam Elliott dressed like a cowboy? Because he's a cowboy. Yep. <laughs> That's your answer. <laughs> Don't ever put sweatpants on your character. They'll seem very sad. Yeah, unless you're going for that. Mm, yeah. Even then you wouldn't do it? No. Sweatpants are sick. <laughs> They're gross. <laughs> They're so comfortable. Uh, no, I sweatpants, dude. No, I don't own sweatpants. My God. I know. Yeah. I'm a jeans guy. I love jeans. I've had sweatpants my whole life. Kind of jealous. Mm. I've got, uh, like, PJ pants. Mm. It's not the same, though. No. Because you can actually leave your house in sweatpants. You shouldn't, but you can. I've left the house in PJs before. Yeah, but that's like, yeah, it's PJ day, right? mm. or some, someone's going to think you're at sleepover. Yeah. If you just leave the house in sweatpants, mm. they know you're at, you're, like, your life is not in a good place. <laughs> They're like, damn. Those are the at-home pants that you just wore outside. (laughs) Um, I was getting ready to go to work the other day, and my house is pretty cold, so I have these 
this everyone hates them but me. I love these. The heaters. No, my old man slippers. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're total old man slippers. So this. No, that's a sandal, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm wearing them in the house. Yeah. See, this is how you know I'm trash. I've got like sweatpants and sandals on inside. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing these old man slippers. They're like fur lined. Well, I mean, fake fur, whatever. But they're super warm and it's awesome. So I go to go to work the other day and I just open the door and leave. And I get like down my walkway and I'm like, I'm going to work in slippers right now. <laughs> I gotta turn around. Put your boots back on. No, just regular shoes, but. Yeah, like, right there, I mean, take costuming into mind. If you were walking down the street and you saw some dude wearing, like, and I'm in my 20s, right? If you saw some guy going to work in old man slippers, like, that says a lot right there. And the first thing it's going to say is, there's something wrong with this image. Or he really values comfort. To, like, a creepy degree. What do you mean you wear them? Yeah, but not outside. (laughs) That'd be like saying, that'd be like wearing assless chaps and be like, I really value comfort. I like the breeze on my buns. I don't know. I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't wear that at home. That's like, no, neither would I. <laughs> I wouldn't wear that when no one's looking. Would you try it on though? No, definitely No? Not. I would try it on. No. And then I'd try it on and be like, well, I did that. <laughs> I, would take them off. I wouldn't try them on because I wouldn't want to see myself. <laughs> well, what if there were no mirrors around? No. Like you just walk into your room one day and there's this random, very noticeably never worn pair of assless chaps. Definitely not. Actually, that'd be super creepy. If you tried them on, I would judge you. Wouldn't you? <laughs> That's sick. It's uh, like a level above sweats. That's like six levels above sweats, man. Um. Alright, yeah, costumes, like, bottom line. Don't set it any time other than present day if you don't have money. I think that we both agree that's rule number one, right? Uh, for the most part, hmm. I mean, if you're doing, like, something that was, like, 10, 20 years ago, I think you might be okay, because you could probably get away with... What, like, late 90s? Yeah, like mm. some vintage clothing. Yeah. Like a thrift store. But if you have like no money. If you have no money, then yeah. try to keep it current era. Mm. But, I don't know. I think uh, try to find someone who knows something about costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Or just get the actors to wear their normal clothes and, mm-hmm. and that's all you got. Yeah. I was going to say like the idea, notion, whatever you want to call it, of somewhat basing the characters around the actors, like we did for this one, like, I would recommend it. It had a ton of benefits, I think. And especially when it comes down to costuming, like, you can do what we just did and say, hey, try on all of your clothes, take pictures of everything, send them to me. And especially if you're working with good, cool actors, like... Actors have so many clothes, man, because they have to be able to fill a variety of different looks for auditions, right? And they're, for the most part, very happy to wear those in, during filming. I don't think we, like, we have a lot of technical information about costuming. No, I agree. Which is exactly why you've got to really, when you get to that stage where you're making something important and you think you need to cover that, I'd recommend looking for someone who does that because it's mm-hmm. a very big department. 
Yeah. And it's extremely important because you're gonna have to think about that when you're on set too. Um, you know what character is wearing during this scene, and it changes for every character, every scene after that. So if you don't want to think about shit like that, get a costume designer. And this also goes for production design because we didn't have a production designer as well. Yeah. So I had to kind of figure that out as yeah. we went along. And, and for we the, should do an episode on that. Yeah, I mean, yep. for independent filmmakers, like it's very rare to find people that will do costume and production design on small projects because they like, need a budget of their own yeah they, they require um, some money to do their job already yeah and on top of that you have to pay them for doing the work which you should yep but it's very rare that you're gonna get that or have the money to do that so that's why it's like shoot at one location <laughs> it happens overnight because <laughs> it saves you for like production design the costume to a small extent but I think if you're like an independent director and you're gonna do stuff like this look into costume and production design and learn as much as you can because you probably won't be able to hire anyone at the, at the beginning mm-hmm. yeah yeah alright so yeah. should we move on to the next topic topic number two take it away Latif well this is kind of about say you're wanting to Say you've been like a PA on a bunch of projects and you're like, oh, I want to finally get a shot doing something bigger and, and mm-hmm. have, a, have a bigger role in a film. And you want to, I don't know, be a cinematographer or an editor or a screenwriter or direct something. Or do production design. Yeah. <laughs> or costumes. <laughs> Slow clap. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you get to that stage? How do you convince someone that you're ready to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're thinking about this, you probably don't have a lot of like stuff in your reel to show someone, so it's going to be like your first attempt at doing something. Like you're going to talk them into it, basically. Yeah. A, a lot of the times it'll be like, there's someone trying to make a film and they can't afford to pay anyone to do that role. <laughs> and then, you know, it's kind of a cool project and you're like, yeah, I'll do it for free as long as mm. I get the credit. Because you want to be credited as a officially as this or that for your... Uh, experience that's probably the the easiest way to get that first credit as yeah. like whatever position you're trying to go for but my recommendation would be to to um go and do some work in that field on your own like if you want to be a camera operator just go out and shoot some shit even if it's not mm. film um you know go out and get some beach sunset footage or whatever yeah i was gonna say it's like stock footage would be an alright thing to try out right yeah, I mean, you're if you can kind of shoot stuff that could be used as stock footage, because like to, and especially nowadays to get stock footage, it has to be very high quality looking stuff. Yeah. Um. So if you have some small stock footage type shots in like a folder, and you can put that together and throw some music on it, that could actually work as as like a small demo reel for someone. Um. So that could be a good way to get at least your foot in the door for a meeting or something. I remember, like, in my early days, like, going for job applications, I had no work. Yeah. I would basically just be putting shit together that I shot with my friends mm-hmm. and making it look better than it actually was. And I was actually getting into some meetings and slowly getting work, finding, you know, jobs that paid some cash. I think for any position, you're going to have to do a little bit of free work. Um, so, uh... I think if you're editing, for example, try to find, like, a filmmaker. I'd recommend finding friends 
mm-hmm. that you went to film school with or that you have in your circle and you guys collaborating on some projects and everyone filling different positions on each other's films um, which is a really easy way to get some get some work done but also help each other get uh, some work for the real so if a friend is directing a film and you want to be the cinematographer um, and then the next one everyone rotates positions and does that um, eventually everyone will have like a piece of work that they can share and, and uh, put into a portfolio or something um, and then the second part is like once you get a call for an interview or someone looks at your reel and they're like oh you think you're talented enough come to the interview how do you get the job once you're in front of the point mm-hmm. or if you're being interviewed for a you know a DOP position for a film how do you make sure you get the job um, a lot of this is going to be about being prepared when you come to the meeting um, never not read a script before you go to a <laughs> meeting for a project because it's going to come off like you didn't read it um, it'll be very easy to tell if you didn't and you'll look like an asshole as well yeah like I've had this before right um, not when I've gone for something, but like... No, like when someone's come to you for like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, one of the potential producers for the movie we just did, I remember they they gave me a note, and you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, we, re- we really liked it, but, um, nothing happens for 30 pages. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, nothing happens for 30 pages. I'm like, what 30 pages? Like, the first 30 pages, I'm like, the inciting incident happens on page 10. Like, and it, at this point, you're kind of like, ah, uh, you didn't read it. <laughs> and it's a, sadly, like, a really common thing. But the point is, when you don't read something, as clever as you might be, they can always tell. Yeah. Always. Yeah, you've got to make sure you've got all the material like lined up especially mm-hmm. if you want the job yeah like, if you want the job don't not read the script you're not gonna get it <laughs> well I guess the same thing like you go for an interview especially these days uh, you'll go in and it's I don't know a place that makes cardboard boxes one of the things they're gonna ask you or they're gonna wanna hear in the interview is did you check out our website like do you want this enough that you put just a little tiny bit of effort in and like they're not asking for much it just kind of know the company or know the script or whatnot right yeah you should kind of know who you're attempting to work for yeah and like it benefits you just as much as it benefits them too i mean what if they punch turtles and that's just part of their legacy (laughs) so you're like what (laughs) i just pictured like all right well yeah your interview went really well uh you want to come make some boxes here? It's like, yeah, that'd be great. All right, well, let me show you the warehouse. You walk through these, like, big sliding doors, and it's like, here's where we mulch up the children to be part of the cardboard boxes. <laughs> and you're like, ah. Exactly. Like, what are you, why are you screaming? Didn't you check out our website? Our main ingredient is child. <laughs> For our boxes. <laughs> That's Amazon, by the way. Could you imagine... That's how they get so many boxes for their stuff. That's what that stuff. stupid stringy tape is made out of that I hate. Child? Yeah, child. this <laughs> child. Um, yeah, know, know about the company. And if it's not a company, it might be like a producer wants to hire you to shoot a project with a director. Yeah. Know some of their past work. Yeah, have something to, to talk about. Try to see, because we and Matt have done this, we looked at 
some people's work if they wanted to collaborate or wanted to mm-hmm. work with us in some way we looked at their projects yeah. and even just a demo reel yeah I think checking someone's track record is a very good way to see if they're competent yeah um, and a competent is a very like specific word I'm using because just because someone's got a million credits does not mean they're the person you should be working with yeah I've seen people with like 30, 40 IMDB credits and all their projects are awful projects yeah um, so you've got to be careful about that just because someone has a lot of credits doesn't mean they're legitimate because like mm-hmm. you know if you go on my IMDB page I think I only have 8, 9 credits in every mm-hmm. in every like key field yeah which is you know a decent amount yeah totally but it's not a lot mm-hmm. but if you look at the films you know I've made some pretty cool stuff yeah but there's some people with like 40 credits and you look at all the films and you're like these are awful movies <laughs> so be careful and, and like screen everyone that you go for an interview with yeah absolutely and I think like sadly at least for the people in our kind of age range most people that have worked on like wow they've got a ton of credits they're not that good quality you know so don't dismiss anyone if it's like oh he only has four credits Mm -hmm. like look into those maybe those four credits are all killer you know yeah yeah Yeah, and that's actually that's something that I've um had to be like careful about too there have been some projects I've worked on which wasn't the greatest experience and Mm -hmm. the end product wasn't the best product Mm -hmm. I've been very clear about like not getting credit on those films they don't want to be a part of that like final you know production they yeah. don't want my name in the credits and it's not because like it was shitty and, cause, and I was part of it being shitty and yeah. I was like uh oh gotta hide this one <laughs> it was more like I worked on a project and it was not going in a good place Yeah. like especially after I've warned people about do not do that be careful about doing this this will really screw your film up and you know my advice was not taken and it in turn made me like not agree with the producers or directors and I had to be like listen I don't want credit on this yeah pay me that's all I'll take yeah and then I'm out like you don't have to credit me on this project mm-hmm. I've had those scenarios yeah. before well I mean even that uh, that one thing we shot at that restaurant in Richmond oh, years was, ago yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had to fight to get our names off that because it was a similar situation it was like you know we did we did whatever we did on set, which was like, you know, it was okay. And then the people in charge just took it into editing and... <laughs> yeah, they went in a weird direction. Yeah, in every conceivable way. And it, it's at that point, it's like, look, this doesn't feel like Latif and I at all. No. So like it's better for everyone. Don't put our names on it. You can have all the credit. This is all you. Go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but every now and then, thankfully that's the only time it's ever Have happened to, to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah. 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 We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, there are some things I, I I have been credited on that I don't love, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm not like this is definitely something I'm going to use in my reel. Yeah. But. There's some IMDb credits I can't really like get rid of, mm-hmm. but I don't even care that much because I don't use my IMDb to get work. Yeah. Um, Do you I think mean, that's more of an American thing? No, I think it just 
it's a way of proving that you have worked on something yeah because like you, you know you've got to be uh, like for you know for real productions you have to be credited on the film yeah I think and that's a good way to see if it's like actually verified yeah you can't just tell someone I worked on Star Wars and then you've got no <laughs> show credit. me um, so it's it's a good way just to to check up and see if someone's like telling the truth yeah or you know if you wanted just to get a brief look at what people's history is mm. or their track record is that's also a good way to do it but I don't really think IMDb is like something you use to get work like yeah. I've never been like check out my IMDb to get a job yeah it's really been about the work like check out my reel yeah and then talking to the people mm. um I think uh, you. it also depends on where you're looking for work. If you're looking for work in the creative side and you're working on films and stuff like that, I think it's really about selling yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say honestly selling yourself. Yeah. Now, the, there's, there's talking yourself up, which is good to a degree. Yeah. Uh, but it's more just going to be your presence in the room with that person. Like, we've talked about it before. Like, you and I working, even just on this film, this new one, it's been 20 months? From, like, conception? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you sit down with someone, they're asking themselves this, and you should ask themselves it. You should ask yourself this. Can I stand this person for 20 months? Because <laughs> don't... I can't understate that. Like, if you don't like someone... It's brutal being in a room with them for an hour, yet alone a couple of years, you know? Yeah, I think you have to at least be able to tolerate a person. Yeah. Because, like, there's some people I work with that I'm not, like, great friends with. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I can hang around them for an extended amount of hours yeah. to work on stuff. Um, but if you can, like, you know, be human and just, like, <laughs> around that person without, like, wanting to rip their heads off... I think for the most part you should be okay but if you like are getting agitated and anxious when you're around someone and, and like thinking about like when can I leave that's not a good sign you should yeah. not be around this person yeah so you probably don't want to take that job yeah for sure yeah and on the note of like selling yourself I definitely some people will view it as a weakness to go in and say like um, I don't know you're meeting with someone you want to write a script but you've never written like a script or never in a script that's been produced like don't be afraid to be honest like, like go in and say hey look like i've never really this is the when this is how i wrote my first thing um got to know a producer on set and it was like yeah you know i really loved writing i played music for a bunch of years written all kinds of things never a script but written other stuff right and it was like i've been studying this for a while i really think i want to do it and he was like, yeah, well, you know, let's, you should write a script for me. And I did, and it was awful. <laughs> but, you know, most first things are. And the point of it is, though, like, don't be afraid to be honest. But if you're going to say, like, I've never done X or I've never done Y, then follow that up with why you think you'd be great at it. And, you know, how long you've been studying it and what other things you have experience in that would link to you being good at that thing. So don't just say, like, yeah, I want to do this, uh, but I've never really done it. And end with that. <laughs> like, that's not great. <laughs> Start crying into your sweats. Um, 
Yeah, I, went, I once went for this interview. It was for a writing position. I was really excited for this interview. Okay. Because it was a guy who did some writing on video games. And he's from Vancouver, and I went to meet him at a coffee shop. Hmm. And, he, and he'd interviewed a, a, you know, a few different people, and I came hmm. in, and I sat down. And you know, I had some writing samples, and he's like, oh, yeah, so why do you want to you know, write video games? I'm like, well, I just I, I want to write stories. Like, I don't care what medium it's for. Mm-hmm. I like to write. And he, I think he was working on some EA titles. Yeah. Um, not like sports games, obviously. Yeah. Like, it's scripts for that. And I was so, like, frustrated after the interview because it wasn't my writing that he wasn't, like happy with it was like some of the techniques I was using what do you mean because I was in some of my uh, writing because these are scripts that I was intending to direct or or that I you know made into shorts or something yeah he's like oh right here you use the word we it's like you shouldn't use that in a script oh and I was like you son of a bitch <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> like what do you mean like are you looking at the writing or are you like looking at this like one technique that you don't use that's that the whole I thing use? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some writers who get all caught up in the the semantics of, like, how to write a script. Mm-hmm. And they don't really care about, like, what the script is about. Yeah. And I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I think I told you about this. I met with one dude when we were looking for producers for this project, the one we just shot. And uh, he read the second or third draft of the script. Yeah. He met with him and he's like, hey, you know... Just so you know, you should really, you should never say like we see or close up or wide angle or anything. That that's really for the director to decide. It's like you are the director. Yeah, I'm like okay, there's a lot to break down here. A, that's like folklore myth. Like that's not a thing. Just write well. B, I am the goddamn director. <laughs> like I'll write whatever I want. Exactly. And C, I'm hiring you. Don't. That's another thing. Don't go into a job interview and start telling them what they shouldn't do if it's in that circumstance you know yeah like you're digging your own grave and fast too <laughs> yeah a lot of it's just ego it's like some people think they know more yeah so when they find something that like is against their their normal state they'll be like oh time to time to suck it to them like, <laughs> shut up <laughs> like oh, that's so annoying like if if yeah. there's like if it's a bad story and there's tons of grammar mistakes, mm. totally get it. Yeah. But if I like put a dash instead of a period, and your whole life you've been using periods, and you see a dash and it freaks you out, that's your problem. Get over it. Man. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Aside from that, uh, that was a kind of annoying interview that I had. Yeah, I can imagine. Because um, it really didn't feel it like the person felt like they were more. They were judging the wrong things, right? No, it felt like they were, like, exercising their power. Like, because I could tell, like, with other interviews. Like, they wanted to feel great. Yeah, they wanted to be like, no, like, as a writer. Yeah. This is some advice I'm going to give you. I was like, my God, I'm going to have to, like, fight this guy right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, like, I was like, all right, cool. Took off. I didn't really expect a call from him. Yeah. I didn't really want one. But... Did he call you? No, definitely not. (laughs) Um... But for the most part, like if if you're going for an interview and at any point someone is demeaning or kind of like, oh, I'm this big thing and you're, you've come to me for a job, yeah. then very quickly like you 
shouldn't take that because they're going to use that as like a way to um, gain some leverage on you and potentially yeah. like they could become like abusive not in like a, a sexual way but maybe that maybe yeah but in like a, a way that like it's really bad for your um, mental health yeah and I think that's a general rule with anyone like if they're a dick the first time you meet them it's only gonna get worse absolutely yeah unless like you met them in a car accident or something where like emotions are elevated and people are freaking out but if you just meet a guy for coffee and you're like this guy's a douchebag mm-hmm. it's never gonna get any better than that also if you're going for interviews and someone's in a car crash that means you're a dick cause they're in a car crash leave them alone <laughs> there's another day for interviews um, <laughs> hey man can we do this another time no also I think if you're looking for work in this kind of field but you want to do it more in the corporate or like marketing agency world mm. I think it's good to have a resume I never use my resume for film jobs yeah I always use my re- resume for more um, company type work yeah So I'm that's what they work. want like yeah. where the film guys want like a, a demo reel and whatnot. Corporate, they don't care about. Well, I mean, I'm sure it helps, but oh, actually, the demo reel does help. Yeah, they want the written word resume. They love that. Yeah, the two things you'll need to get corporate work or work at an ad agency, as an editor, or as a director, or as a filmmaker, you need to have a really, really good demo reel. Yeah. Like absolutely, like none of that clean army uniform bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> like try not to have like any dumb looking music video footage in there don't have any film school looking shit in there unless any of that stuff is really good yeah it's really good then use it I've got like one project from film school that I put in my reel Mm -hmm. but that footage looks really really good Mm -hmm. but all the other film school stuff no one will ever see (laughs) because it does not look the same yeah Um, totally fair so if you're gonna make a reel like you've got to really pick the best moments I think this is why it's good to learn editing um, because if you have to make a demo reel um, not everyone's going to have to make a demo reel but if you're going to mm-hmm. work as a cinematographer or as an editor mm-hmm. you're going to have to make a demo reel you need yeah. to know how to cut this good mm-hmm. cut this well because um, just because you're a cinematographer doesn't mean you're going to pick the best parts for your reel Yeah, I have the, the luxury of being able to be an editor and a cinematographer um, on like many different jobs and I get to do those things at a pretty high level which is why usually when I got my demo reels they look really nice yeah. but I've seen really beautiful demo reels that are really boring to watch yeah there's certain like you can tell a story with the demo reel too like yeah. there's a flow there needs to be personality like yeah. it can't feel vacant no yeah and uh, I'm, I'm actually you know putting stuff together for my for my latest demo reel because my last one was like from two years ago yeah so when I get my new demo reel up I'll, we'll, we'll link it up so people can yeah, look at yeah, it yeah definitely I think really cool cool for people to see um I think what a polished demo reel would look like but yeah have a good demo reel have a good resume mm-hmm. um, don't be a dick don't be an ass <laughs> for the most part uh I think that would be, yeah, I think we covered a good deal of what what you should look out for when going to yeah. pitch yourself for a job or trying to get an interview. Yeah, I agree. But you also have a, have to have a good level of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it changes on the kind of work you're going for. I've been in positions where I've had to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new and I really want to do this. Mm. And then like at other positions where I came in with a lot of confidence knowing they needed someone, I was like, listen, yeah. you're not going to get anyone better than me. Yeah, you need I'm me. I'm the best guy for this job. Yeah. And this is my rate. If you're not able to do that, then I'm sorry. Yeah. And, you know, my reel was pretty kick-ass at that point. So they're like, deal, you're in. And I was like, sick. You know, but that's not always going to happen. Yeah. I'll never forget this quote. So for those that haven't heard me talk about it before, I worked for Pepsi for six years. It was brutal, but I'll save those stories for later. Um, at a point, a couple years in, where pretty much everyone universally there was at a really low point. Uh, I had a really great boss in the crazy off chance you ever hear this, Steve. Thank you for being so cool. <laughs> but um, a lot of people were leaving, and I was thinking about leaving too. And he came up to me, and I'll never forget this. He was like, never forget. They need you more than you need them. You can always go get another job. Mm-hmm. Especially like if you're a good worker, which, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I am. You can always go get something else. If you leave right now, they're going to have a void to fill. And if you're a good worker, that's going to be a hard void to fill. And it's the same thing if someone's looking for someone. If you come in and you're like, I'm a good worker. You need me. That's really the only two things. And you have the skills, I guess. Yeah. Those are really the only three things you need to be like, I'm not going to be nervous, and that's how you have confidence, you know? Like, what's to be nervous about, and what, give me one reason not to have confidence if mm-hmm. those three things are checked off, right? Yeah, and, and you know, you got to fight for your, for your rates as well, because mm-hmm. for the most part, you will be either freelancing or doing contract work, Yeah. and they're, either they come to you with a rate that they want you to meet, Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, if it's not the rate you're willing to work for, don't take the job. Yeah. But if the rate's kind of like, so what do you think? Mm-hmm. Like, think about how much you think you're worth an hour. Mm-hmm. And that is your price. And try not to budge from that. Because yeah. you don't want to, you know, work for like $15 an hour when really you're worth 30 like, Yeah. really be clear about how much. Yeah. The only time I would say, like, consider going lower is if it's a project where, like, I would love... To work on this like I don't know I've never found that before really no never well, I've never found a project where I was like I will take less money to do this thing for you <laughs> I've always wanted the rate I wanted because nothing's been like so cool that I was wanting what to would be for you uh, honestly like, at, like mm. at this level I don't think anything yeah yeah that's fair that's fair no, because I'm not, like, I'm not doing any work that's really beneficial towards, like, my long-term career. Mm-hmm. It's all just to Gates. pay rent. Yeah. So, at that point, like, nah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Good advice, too. Fight fight for your rate and don't, like, uh, budge on that. Because yeah. you'll get dicked around and you'll get used to, like, just, like, bowing down. Because mm-hmm. you need to, like, set a standard. Yeah. And it will help other people in the same industry if you mm-hmm. set a standard um, especially with corporate things too like you'll hear this all the time in job interviews uh, reject the first offer for corporate or like even bigger companies that aren't quite corporate like 
odds are they have the money. They're always going to want to work for less because yeah. it's like, why pay $10 if you can pay $7, right? Yeah. It's, it's business, right? But for corporate or bigger companies, if they see that value in you and they're like, we'll give you $100 a day, you're like, no, I want $125. Like, yeah, okay. I think it's pretty rare. If they like you and they know you're worth that, that they'll still say no. Yeah, that's yeah. not common. And not, like the last thing I want to touch on, and this is something I had to deal with a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that people just getting into this should be very wary about, mm-hmm. or people who have never faced it and don't know how to deal with it. If you have to go in for an interview and they mm-hmm. ask you to do work for free, yeah, to test, yeah, no, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Just like take off, because if you're gonna do any work, you should be paid for the work. Yeah, and I've had scenarios where like, oh, we just want you to do a test shoot or a test video. Or test edit and I'm like great pay me for it too <laughs> and then if you like the test yeah. I get the job and they're like no we won't pay you for the test I'm like great then you don't get the test <laughs> yeah yeah totally fair like, um, I don't because like if you do a volunteer project there's mm-hmm. a negotiation that you will do it for free you yeah. know that going into it mm-hmm. but if they want you to do free work to get a job yeah don't do it yeah I think it's a waste of your time because if you don't get the job a lot of times the work they ask you to do is not something you could use anyways. Yeah, totally. I remember when I first moved here, um, I think I was here for like three days. So I think I met you the second weekend I was here. Mm-hmm. So just before that, uh, just looking for film stuff, never really done anything. Went on to Craigslist and found this film internship. It was for some marketing company. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I'm like, internship? I'm looking to get into it. You hear internship all the time, so that'd be great. Emailed them, and they emailed back, they come in for an interview. It's like, okay, cool. Now, let's just define internship real quick. An internship is you will be working... It's always for free, I'm pretty sure. No, here it's paid. Is it? Yeah, here internships are supposed to be paid. Oh, it's in the States, it's free. I think some parts, yeah. I don't know how, how it is state by state, but I know okay. Vancouver are supposed to get paid even if it's an internship. Really? Yeah. Okay. So my understanding of it was, it was only okay to not get paid if you were to go into a film company, or sorry, a company, where what you're looking to do, which in my case was film, that company had experienced people in that, that would teach you everything, or you know, the vast majority of what they know. You'd work for free, but your compensation would be really really good experience from really really experienced people yeah so it would almost be like free school kind of right i went into this (laughs) and uh it's this girl i think it was like trinity marketing or something Mm -hmm. it was at sfu right she's like yeah we need some people to make some videos so cool who else is in she's like oh we're interviewing other people now and same thing, I was like, I'd never had a job or anything. And like right there, alarm bells are going off. Because mm-hmm. it's like, they don't have anyone experience. But you're kind of like, oh, maybe it can go somewhere cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways, bottom line, she's like, yeah, you know, I'm not a crazy person. So she's like, if you want to be in, you're in. So she got me and these two Asian girls who are lovely people. Actually, there was three. Yeah, there was another girl as well. I ended up going there. She expected like 20 hours a week. So I think I went there for like two weeks. We didn't do anything. <laughs> we talked about like some videos. She had a, a camera 
this was probably five years ago, that was like the size of a phone. You remember those like really tiny digital cameras? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, we can make it on this. And two weeks in, I realized this is a waste of everyone's time. So I stopped going. But that's another example of like, if you go into something, they're not paying anything and you got alarm bells going off telling you maybe this isn't right. Odds are it probably isn't and you're getting screwed in some way. So probably don't do that thing. You know what's funny? I, I, there's been a couple companies in Vancouver who ask you to do like test work. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty big companies. So it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Because uh, everyone wants to pay nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know where the company started from. You know Daily Hire. Yeah. What was the parent company? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it was like a bigger company, and then it turned into Daily Hive. Okay. I remember, um, I was like looking for a videographer. I'm like, all right, uh, I could probably do this, because I'm yeah. pretty sure they're not going to ask me to go out and shoot something for free. Yeah, be nuts. and they did. And they're like, we need you to go out and shoot this thing on the weekend to test, to see. And I think they wanted you to cut it together, too. And I was like, wow. Like, yeah. really? Like, Daily Hive? Like, this company? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, it's a big yeah. social media company from Vancouver, and it's like mm. asking people to do free work as a test to see mm. if they're like capable. Like, have you, like, do you have eyes? Can you look at a demo reel? <laughs> Can you read a resume? Yeah, it's just people being cheap, man. Yeah, that's all it is. Oh, I hate that. It pisses me off. Yeah, it's suck brutal. it, Daily Hive. Suck it. <laughs> well, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> all right. So as always, we are from Craft. You guys are film craft. Everyone but Daily Hive is film craft. Mm. It's brought to you by Pippa. It's Pippa.io, P-I-P-P-A.io. Podcast hosting service. Cheap, awesome. Check them out. Suck at Daily Hive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, my wedding ring. <laughs>